We've been going through the book of Philippians in our series, Joy at All Times. And so we're going to continue with that today. So last week we looked at the Philippians chapter 2, and we looked at Paul saying that we can be lights in this world. And we talked about how uh, we're not a small light, like the light on our flashlight on our phone, but we actually have the light of the Lord, that Jesus is the light, and that's the light that we carry. So um, we looked at this passage in Philippians last time, uh, Philippians 2, the second half of verse 15 and 16 says, uh, you will appear as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I, talking about Paul, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. Okay, so that was his hope for the Philippian church, that they would actually be like lights in the world. And then when they do that, that his toil and his, his effort and all the things that he's doing would not be in vain. But then in verse 17, which is, starts the passage that we want to look at today, he says this, But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with all of you. Uh, you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Okay, so he starts out saying that you guys are going to be lights, and then if you are lights, that all my labor and all the things that I'm doing won't be in vain. But then in verse 17 he says, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering uh, upon your sacrifice of service, I'm still going to rejoice. Okay, so to be able to understand this, we have to understand what Paul is saying here when he says, I'm going to be like a drink offering. Like what in the world is a drink offering? Okay, so the drink offering is referred to in the Old Testament. It's referred to three times in the book of Leviticus. And then it's also mentioned in Numbers chapter 15 about a drink offering. Okay, so what is a drink offering? Okay, so a drink offering is something that accompanies the regular offerings they bring. So in the Old Testament, they have a, a lot of various different offerings. They have a, a sin offering and a bread offering and all these different offerings that they were to bring. Okay, so these particular offerings that they're supposed to bring, they're supposed to put it on the altar... Uh, and then they're supposed to actually add a drink on top of it. So they would pour wine on top of the drink offering. So here's kind of an artist's rendition of a drink offering. Okay, so if you look at the, the thing here, they have like an altar. They have the offering. Okay, so whether it's a bread offering or something like that. And then they would light it on fire. Okay, and then while they're having this offering being offered up to the Lord, you're supposed to pour wine on top of that. Okay, the wine on top that they're pouring on there is the drink offering. Okay, this is supposed to complete the offering. Okay, so it's like a complete thing. So you have the bread and then you have the wine. If that sounds familiar, that's what communion is, right? So it's really the New Testament communion is similar to this idea that they had in the Old Testament where they would have a bread offering and they would add on top of that, they would add wine. Okay, so when Paul is talking about being poured out as a drink offering, he's referring to this. This practice in the Old Testament that they would have, where they would have an offering, and then on top of it, they would pour wine. Okay, so what's the significance of that? Well, the wine is supposed to complete the offering. Okay, it's supposed to complete the offering. So when Paul is mentioning in here, when we're looking at this passage, uh, Sorry, it's not working here. Let me get this going again. 
Okay, there we go. Uh, when Paul is saying in verse 17 that even if he's being poured out as a drink offering upon their sacrifice, he's saying what? He's saying the Philippians, their church, they're giving a sacrifice to God. All the things that they're doing, all the things they're pursuing are like a sacrifice to God. And what is he doing? He's pouring himself out on top of their sacrifice to what? To complete it, right? Just like in the Old Testament, they would have a sacrifice and then the wine would be poured on to complete the sacrifice, to make it complete. He's using that same picture to describe what's happening here. The Philippian church is pouring themselves out. They are sacrificing. They are trying to serve the Lord. And what is Paul doing? He's trying to complete their sacrifice. He's pouring himself out like a drink offering to complete their sacrifice. Then he says, I urge you to do the same. When you are sacrificing, when you are toiling, when you are running, when you are pursuing, do that. Pour it out on me so you can complete my sacrifice for the Lord. So it's kind of this relationship that they're having with each other. It's interesting because um, this reminded me of something that happened about 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I was going to be pursuing a new ministry, and uh, it was something that I had never done before. So I was kind of asking God about it and asking him, like, what should I do? What steps should I take to try to pursue this new ministry? And while I was praying, one day I was praying, and I felt like the Lord saying, I want you to go and help out uh, this friend. Okay, so it's just a person that I had just met. His name was Davey. So I had never really known him before. I had just met him a few weeks before that. So it's the first time kind of meeting this guy. His name was Davey. And I felt like the Lord saying, I want you to go help him. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll do that. But Lord, I was praying that you would help me in my ministry, that you would help give me direction about how I'm supposed to pursue this ministry. And so I was asking, can you help me with that? Give me some direction and insight. And then again, I, he said, I want you to go help out your friend Davey. Okay, I guess he's not going to tell me how to help me in my ministry. So I'm going to go and, and just listen to what, what the Lord was saying. So I went, and then I contacted this guy, Davey. And so him and I started meeting, and I started asking him, like, what's on his heart and the things that the Lord has been giving him. And so I, I told him basically what I just shared with you, that while I was praying, I felt like the Lord telling me, I need to go help you. I need to help you whatever the Lord is wanting to, to give you, right? So he was telling me about this vision that he had from the Lord to try to uh, produce this like curriculum or whatever, right? And so I told him, God wants me to help you with that. And so he was really happy. He was really happy that, that God had told me that. So I went and we worked together. So we would meet week after week, and we would work on his curriculum, and uh, we would look at uh, different ways to kind of help improve it. And he was asking me to give input and to, to help design different parts of the curriculum. And so we're going about it, and it's like month after month after month. And after a while, I started to forget, I forgot about the, my original idea about pursuing this ministry. Then one day, we were working on the curriculum, and then all of a sudden, the Lord gives us this, it actually gave him, gave him this idea about something to add to the curriculum. And the thing that he wanted to add was the exact thing that I wanted to do. And I was just really dumbfounded. I was thinking, wow, the Lord knew this whole time about how to give me direction. But how did he want me to go forward and to break through and to try something new and to launch this new ministry? He wanted me to do that by helping somebody else. 
in this process, process of me helping someone else, all the things that came out for this new ministry all were set in place. All the things that were doing. But he wanted me to do it through adding my thing on top of their sacrifice. I was being poured out like a drink offering to my friend's work that he was doing. All the things that he was doing. He wanted me to pour myself out as a drink offering. What happened as a result? All the work that he was doing served as a drink offering for me and the things that the Lord wanted for me to do. And it was a, kind of a picture of what we see here in Philippians 2, 17 and 18. Saying, a lot of times, we can't get to where the God wants us to go. And we feel frustrated, whether it's like in work, our relationships, or things that are going on. We're trying to pursue the things that we feel like God wants us to pursue, and we can't do it. But I think some of the times we need to consider, maybe God is authoring something like this. Maybe he's authoring something like he did with me and my friend Davey. Maybe he wants you to get released into this new area in your life, to release yourself into this new ministry, to release yourself into this thing by helping somebody else. And it's very interesting. It's this uh, idea of being poured out like a drink offering and thinking, if I work and I pour myself out to help complete this other person, I'll be fulfilled too, right? And he's saying, this is what he's having joy in. So in verse 17 and verse 18, he's saying, this is what's bringing me joy. And he's asking them, I want you to share with that. I want you to have joy too. Because all the things that you're doing are serving as a drink offering for me too. All the things you're doing is helping complete me and all the things that God has for me. So when we look at verse 17 and 18, it's actually a really wonderful picture of what he's trying to paint. And it really comes before, right the passage before when we talked about humility, right? Not looking after your own interests, but looking after the interests of others. And we actually see it in the next passage here, too. He continues on, he says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that you also may be encouraged when, uh, when I learn of your condition. For I have no one, of kindred, no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, you know, he's talking about Timothy, you know about Timothy, you know of his proven worth, you know he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately so that as soon as I see thing, how things are going with me and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming to you shortly. Okay, so we're going to talk about the previous section in a minute when he's talking about looking not just for your own interests, but I wanted to focus first on verse 24 here. So when Paul says he is going to send them Timothy, he says not only is he going to send them Timothy, but he says he himself is going to go back there. And that's where it's important, and I keep reminding you of the context of this passage because when he talks about being a drink offering or he talks about going to see them, you have to remember where is he? He's in prison. So when he's in prison and when he's going through these things and when he's chained and when he can't leave and he can't go where he wants and he can't do what he wants, we have to take this in mind when he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. We have to keep this in mind when he says this in verse 24. I trust in the Lord that I myself, I'm going to come and visit you again. That he has faith that his current condition is not going to stop him, not going to prevent him from going where the Lord wants him to go. 
He's demonstrating faith and belief in that. So when we look at this context, when we look at Paul in prison, I think it paints a good picture for us because when we think about him saying, I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering, this is what we keep in mind. When he says that I'm going to come see you, this is what we keep in mind. Then he talks about this guy, uh, Epaphroditus. But I thought it necessary to send you also, in addition to Timothy, I want to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you, for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Okay, so in these several verses here, he's talking about this other gentleman named Epaphroditus. Okay, there's only a few verses about him in the whole Bible, but he's actually an amazing character. And actually, I was thinking about this, right? When you look at the Bible, they talk about a lot of amazing people, right? You know, they talk about Moses and Joshua and David and, and the disciples and Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and people who have a little bit more press, right? They have a little more face time in the Bible that you see them, right? But then they also have these people that only have a few verses about them. But this actually, this guy was amazing too. This guy was actually part of the Philippian church. Okay, we know that because he says that uh, they're your messenger, talking to the Philippian church, that he was part of their church. And the church sent him out, sent him out like a missionary because they learned that Paul was in prison. So he, they sent him to go minister to Paul while he was in prison. So this person went from the Philippian church, went out to, to uh, minister to Paul and stayed with Paul. So Paul was really blessed by him. And then he became sick. Okay, And then he, we learn in the next verse, he says he became sick even to the point of death. He was severely sick. Okay, so... It's understandable when Paul says, I want to send him back. I want to send him back home. I want to send him back to his family. I want to send him back to his community. And it says he was longing to do that, right? Look in the verse here at uh, verse 26. He says, because he was longing for you all. He was longing to go back home. But what's interesting to me is the reason why he was longing. You would think if he was sick and to the sick to the point of death, he'd be longing to go back so people could take care of him, so they could be watch over him and to comfort him and to, to care for him. But that's not what it says. What does it say? He says, because he was longing for all of you and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. He was distressed for them. He was concerned because when they heard about him and his illness, he was worried about them. He was worried that they were going to be concerned, that they were distressed, that they were worried about him. They were worried about his, the fellow person, his uh, fellow person in the church. They were concerned. So that was his concern. Even though he was dying, even though he was ill, his main concern was for them. He was concerned about them. Now, Look at this next, next section with Paul. He says that God had mercy on Epaphroditus 
and that he became, uh, he became well. And not only mercy on Epaphroditus, but Paul says he had also, God had mercy on me because I would have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about who? About you, about the church, about the Philippian church. Okay, so this is again, we have to keep remembering where Paul is, that he's in chains, that he's chained to get chained with all of these guards that are around him 24-7, that he's in jail. Yet, who is he thinking about? He's thinking about Epaphroditus. He's thinking how much he loves him and how much he's concerned about him. That if something bad were to happen, it would bring him so much sorrow. Who is he thinking about? He's thinking about the Philippian church. And he's thinking about how they're missing Epaphroditus and how he wants to send him Epaphroditus back to them so they could be less worried, so he would be less worried about them because he's so concerned about who? Not about him, but about them. It's interesting when you look at these passages because I think the Lord is really convicting me as I was reading about Epaphroditus and about Paul. And he says the same thing about Timothy. He says, there's not a lot of people who are like Timothy. There's not a lot of people who are not seeking after their own interests. And I think that's really true. And I think that's true of me. When I look at myself, I feel like I'm always thinking about myself. And you know what's made that worse? And I think some of it is to not to a fault of ourselves, but really it's been because of COVID. Because of COVID, we've really been isolated to just ourselves. For months and months and months and months, we were just with ourselves. You know, we couldn't get together with other people. We couldn't connect with, even if we wanted to, we couldn't. We were restricted to. We had to stay separated. We had to stay isolated. And, um, you know, it's interesting when, when that first happened, you know, last year in March, I remember that first happened. And then, you know, you try to scramble and try to see, like, how can we still do things? Like, how are we going to work? And what's that situation like? And then, but once we started figuring everything out and then things started settling down, um, it's interesting. I don't, I, I didn't share it with too many people because some people were going through bad times, but I actually liked it. Okay. Because I'm a natural introvert. Okay. So, you know, they have extrovert and introvert. You know, introvert gets their batteries like charged by being alone. Okay, extroverts get their battery, get their energy from being around people. Okay, so I'm more on the introverted side. So you know, I work from home and I love that. <laughs> you know, I don't mind being by myself. I like being alone. And so during COVID, when I had all this time alone, I really liked it. But even for me, after months and months and months of this, even for an introvert, this was too much. This was too much. God never intended us for us to be alone for extended periods, for us to be disconnected from people, for us to only be looking at ourselves, for us to only be thinking about ourselves. This is never what God intended. You know, you look at this from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They hid. They separated themselves. They separated from each other. You know, Adam said, this woman that you gave me, she made me sin, right? They were like separated from each other. They were separated from God. And that's exactly where the enemy wants them, by themselves, isolated, with no other person, separated from God, separated from people. 
And unfortunately, I think that that's what happened. That's what happened during this time, is we spent extended time separated from God and separated from people. And I think that we feel the effects of that. And it's not good. This is not what God intended for us. You know, when we look at that, we really see that it's true. You know, whenever I look at problems in my life, whenever I focus too much on different problems that are happening, what happens to the problems? They always get bigger and bigger. And the more I keep looking at it, the bigger it gets, right? You know, they have that saying, like, don't make mountains out of molehills, right? That's what happens, though. Something that is really actually, in reality, something very small, small for you and really small for God, right? Not something that God can't handle. But as you keep looking at it, as you keep being isolated, as you keep looking at your problems and keep examining and looking at it, it might be well-intentioned. You might be thinking, how am I supposed to solve it? How am I supposed to fix it? How am I supposed to get out of it? How am I supposed to address it? It might start off that way, but you keep thinking about it all the time and you're just caught up in your own world and all you keep thinking about is yourself and what you're going through and your emotions and keep thinking about all of these different issues and keep thinking about those things, what happens? It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it keeps taking a life of its own. Why does this happen? This happens because this is not how God made us. He didn't create us to be alone. He didn't create us to only think about our own interest. It's like when I shared about the drink offering. He, a lot of times he wants us to break through by helping other people, by being connected to other people and not keep thinking about ourselves. You know, as the Lord was is speaking to me about this, you know, he was asking me to uh, be intentional about connecting with other people. Okay, and so Kind of like I said, as an introvert, I have to be like intentional about it, okay? So one of the things the Lord had me do a while back, and I've been doing this actually for several years, is that he's put different things as a reminder for me to think about other people, okay? So I'm going to share, about, I'm going to share some of those with you right now. Okay. So this first one, this clock, whenever I see the clock say 11-11, what do I think about? Whenever I see 11-11, I think about my friend who was born on 11-11, okay, November 11th, okay, she was born on November 11th, so whenever I see 11-11, I always think of my friend, I always think of my friend, and then I pray for her, I pray for her, I pray for her, her family, and I pray for her marriage, and I pray for her kids, whenever I see 11-11, I think of my friend, take a look at this one, 808, okay, can you guess what that means, what do you think 808 is, what do I think about when I see 808, on a clock or on a calendar. You can see on the watch too. The date is 808 on the, on the watch too. 808 on 808, right? So what is 808? 808 is the area code in Hawaii. Hawaii's area code is 808. Okay, so whenever I see 808, I think about my good friend who lives in Hawaii. Okay, so I met him when he was here, but he moved back to Hawaii, so I haven't seen him a lot very much over the years, but whenever I see 808, I think of my friend. I think of my friend and I pray for him. I pray for the things that he's going through. I pray for the struggles that he's going through. I pray for him to be able to connect with God. I pray for all of these different things whenever I see 808. How about this? Whenever I drive by Taco Bell, which is kind of a lot because our family likes Taco Bell, so whenever I go to Taco Bell, 
I think about my friend who used to work for Taco Bell. He used to work in the corporate office. So whenever I go to Taco Bell, I think about my friend. So I tell him, you're lucky that I, my family likes Taco Bell because I pray for you all the time. So whenever I go to Taco Bell, I think about you because you used to work at Taco Bell. So whenever I go to Taco Bell, I think about my friend who used to work there. And I pray for him. And I pray for his family. And I pray for his kids. And I pray for his relationship with God. How about this? Whenever I drive by this store, I think of my friend. Who is my friend? His name is Ross. Okay, so it's not too hard, right, to get to this one, right? That's a little bit more straightforward, right? So when I look at this, I think of my friend Ross, who's a really close friend of mine. So whenever I drive by this store, I think about my friend Ross, and I pray for him. Let me show you this last one. Okay, so like a good Asian family, we take all, all of our shoes off before we go in the house. So we do that in the garage. So in the garage, is like all of our shoes, right? My shoes, my kids' shoes, my wife's shoes. We have all these shoes in the garage, like right before you go inside of our house, okay? But whenever I go into the garage and I see my kids' shoes, I think about my kids, okay? And then I think about what is it like to stand in their shoes, and actually, I do that. I actually put on their shoes. Okay, so this is an example. This is like a pair that my son has. So he has a pair of these, these slides. And so when I go in to the garage, I put on his shoes. But when I put on his shoes, I ask the Lord, help me to know what it's like to stand in his shoes. Help me to know what he's going through. Help me to understand the things that he's going through right now. Help me to know and experience that. And so I put on his shoes. I put on my daughter's shoes too, right? So my daughter has big enough feet where I can put on her shoes too. Not the more shoes like this, not the other kind of girl's shoes. But I put on her shoes too, and I do the same thing. Lord, let me know what it's like to stand in my daughter's shoes. Let me know what she's going through. Let me know what's on her heart. Let me know the things that she's going through that she doesn't share with me. Let me know and understand the things that she's struggling with. Let me understand that. So whenever I go into the garage and I see these shoes, that's what I think about. These are just a few things. These are just a few things that are reminders. The Bible talks a lot about these type of things. Have reminders for yourself. Have things that when you look at, you get reminded. You get reminded of God. You get reminded of people in your life. You get reminded of other things that the Lord wants you to remember. Use these things in your life. What is it for you? Is it a, a song that you hear? Is it a worship song that you hear? Is it a place that you go? Is it things that come to mind? Is it things like I just shared with you today, the things in mind? Ask the Lord to bring those people to mind because we need those things. We need those things to take our eyes off of ourselves so our problems don't get so big, so out of control, so we don't get so consumed with ourselves that we can't see God and we can't see other people. We need those reminders in our lives so that we could be like Timothy, we could be like Epaphroditus, that we could be like Paul in this passage, who are going through difficult things in our life, but who are they thinking about? Not about themselves. They're thinking about other people. And like my story with Davy, is when you're able to think about other people, that's when God gives you breakthrough in your own problems. That's when God gives you breakthrough in your own situations that are going on in your life. Because that's the pattern of how God works. When we really 
are able to take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on God and put it on other people, we can be more free. We can be more fulfilled. and We can feel less weight on our shoulders when we always keep looking at ourselves and the things that are going on with our own concerns. Why don't we pray? Father, we ask that you would come and speak to us right now. I pray right now as we're sitting here that you would bring people to mind. Who do you want us to pray for? Who do you want us to love? Who do you want us to, to call or to text? Who do you want us to minister to? Who do you want us to care for? Who do you want us to show and be concerned about their interest instead of only looking at our interest? Lord, put those people in our hearts. Put you on our hearts too, Lord. Help us to see you as well. Help us to see you and others. Help us to connect and to take our eyes up ourselves and to see the one who loves us and the one who loves everyone around us too. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do that. You remind us, you show us, you convict us, you uh, bring those people and those things to mind. So I pray that you would do that even right now as we sit. In Jesus' name, amen.